Welcome to the Victory of the Lamb podcast. We are a simple, straightforward Bible teaching church located in Katy, Texas. If you're in the area, we'd love for you to stop by anytime. Otherwise, we hope you use this podcast to grow in your faith and be confident in sharing that faith with many. You can find us online at VOTL.org. We hope you enjoy this message. God bless your week. God's grace, his mercy, his patience, his love, they're all yours through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. My dear fellow brothers and sisters, fellow sinners called by God's grace, I think it's safe to say that we all have someone that we look up to. Maybe as a child, you look up to a favorite celebrity or maybe a famous athlete that you just want to be like when you grow up. When I was a kid, I always looked up to the famous Green Bay Packer wide receiver, Donald Driver. I dreamed of catching touchdown passes from Brett Favre, Lambeau leaping into the stands. But as you grow older, your circumstances change, your perspective changes a little bit, and Maybe those people that we look up to change, or maybe the reason why we look up to them changes. In my case, I realized that I had no shot of becoming an NFL wide receiver, and so I didn't look up to Donald Driver as much because of what he did on the field, but more of what he did off the field, or does off the field, I should say. If you didn't know, Donald Driver is from Houston, and as he was growing up, he had, his family didn't have much money, and he maybe got involved in some things that he really shouldn't have gotten involved in, and his life was kind of going downhill quickly. But as a high school student, he got involved in football and started to stand out pretty well. He went to college, got drafted, and had a fabulous career with the Packers. And now, in his retirement, he is involved with the community, does a lot of charity events, has a, uh, has a foundation in his name, helps a lot of underprivileged children. And that's something that we look up to, right? We usually look up to people who have done good things in the community, who are good people. You don't usually look up to the worst in the society to be a role model, an example for us to follow. And yet, in a twist, in an unusual fashion, the Apostle Paul tells us to look at his life this morning, the worst of sinners as an example for us. And he's not telling us to look at his life of sin as a way for us to follow, but instead to look at his sin and to see the forgiveness, the love, the patience, the mercy that God had for him as an example of the same grace, mercy, love, patience that God has for you because God calls sinners by his grace. And that's what our service is all about this morning. The three lessons that we have read this morning all highlight that truth that God calls sinners. In our Exodus story, Moses, a man who was in exile, a murderer hiding out in the land of Midian, is called by God. God comes to him, forgives him of his sins, and says, I want you to be the leader of my people. In our gospel account, Jesus goes to Matthew, a man hated by everyone, a man thought of as a traitor by everyone in the community because of his job as a tax collector. 
And in spite of the fact that everyone else was condemning this man, Jesus goes to him and says, I want you to be one of my closest disciples. And in our epistle reading this morning, Paul talks about his call into the service of God because Paul was not by any means a devout Christian when God called him. In fact, he was the exact opposite, a blasphemer, a violent man, a murderer, a persecutor of the Christian church. And yet God calls him a sinner to be his worker. In his early days, you could maybe describe Paul as, if you've heard the term Bible thumping, he would have been Torah thumping, the the Old Testament. And he called himself very zealous for God. And yet, if we look at his life, in his early life, he wasn't really zealous for God as much as he was zealous against God. Because he had spent so much time studying the God God in the Old Testament, and he thought that he understood God's, God's will and his desire, and it was so twisted and warped that he thought that God's will for him was to go find Christians, followers of Jesus, to persecute them, to throw them into prison, to try to get them to denounce their faith, and if they didn't do so, then he would put them to death. And he did this from town to town, from church to church, city to city, looking for Christians, looking for his next victim to throw into prison and possibly murder. And it's on the road to his next city to find his next victim that something absolutely incredible happens. In Acts chapter 9, we hear about Paul as he's on the road to Damascus, on the road to persecute Christians, when the risen and the ascended Lord appears to him and says, Paul, Why are you persecuting me? And Paul, not really sure what was going on, asks this person, Who are you? And Jesus responded and said, I am Jesus, the one whom you are persecuting. And if we can just pause the story there for a minute and kind of take a side tangent look at what Jesus has said to Paul here. It doesn't really have much to do with our sermon message today, but We get comfort and peace and assurance in the midst of persecution by what Jesus tells to Paul here. Because do you notice how Jesus says the words that he does? He doesn't say, why are you persecuting my church? Why are you persecuting my followers? No, he says, why are you persecuting me? Jesus took the attacks personally. Jesus is intimately connected with his followers, intimately connected with his church in the attack on the church, an attack on Christians is an attack on Jesus. And so when persecution comes our way, we don't need to feel alone. And in fact, it's not even us that is being persecuted, it's God. And he is with us, and he knows, and he hears, and he sees everything that happens. And so back to the story, sorry for the side tangent, but back to the story where Paul has just been told by Jesus that you are persecuting me, Paul. Paul recognizes his sin. He feels his remorse. He feels his guilt for everything that he has done. And he continues on the road to Damascus, not to persecute the Christians there, but rather to talk with them and to learn from them and ultimately to be baptized. Paul was assured of his forgiveness on the road to Damascus and he felt that forgiveness and knew that forgiveness even more intimately as he is washed clean in the waters of baptism, brought into the family of God. 
And he continues after this to be one of the greatest missionaries the world has ever known, traveling throughout the Mediterranean area, spreading the news of God's love, forgiveness, and patience to others, the same love that he had been shown himself. So why would God choose a murderous, violent persecutor of the church to be the church's spokesman? Well, Paul answers that question for us himself in verse 16 of 1 Timothy 1 when he says, I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his unlimited patience as an example for those who would believe. God chose Paul so that the story of his redemption, the story of him being brought from such a wicked, horrible way of life might be an example for you and for me to learn from and to follow. Because whether you want to admit it or not, we were once in the same boat as Paul before his conversion on the road to Damascus, before Jesus revealed himself to us, before his forgiveness was shown to us, we were enemies of God, fighting against him, opposed to him, wanting nothing to do with him. We, along with Paul, can say we were the worst of sinners. And, and sin doesn't just corrupt a little bit. It corrupts completely. There are no big sins, there are no little sins, no big sinners, no little sinners. We all just fall under the category of sinners. Because the scriptures teach that whoever keeps the whole law and is yet guilty of breaking just one is guilty of breaking it all. We, along with Paul, can say we are the worst of sinners because perfection is the mark. Perfection without error, without miss, without anything, that is the mark and none of us have hit that mark because maybe we haven't murdered anyone in cold blood like Paul well, what about a sense of irritation in your heart as someone seemingly does something wrong to you because you were in the right and they were in the wrong? God says anyone who has hate in their heart for a brother or sister is guilty of murder. What about an eye roll or a grumble under your breath as your parents tell you to do some chores? What about slandering and dragging someone's name through the mud with a gossip or a lie or with a whisper? What about ranking yourself just a little bit higher than someone else around you because you think you're justified in what you have done and, and what they have done is so, so horrible? See, when we take a look at God's law, it doesn't really matter if we've broken one or all of them. It, it, it places us in the category of sinner. That mark of perfection that God demands for us is like trying to jump over a canyon a mile wide and it doesn't really matter if you can jump 10 feet or 20 feet or 500 feet or if you trip and fall and only make it one foot, you still find yourself in the canyon of sin. So like I've said, we can all along with Paul say we are the worst of sinners. We were in the same spot that Paul was. And yet while we see ourselves in the same spot as Paul was in regard to our sin, we also see ourselves in the same spot as Paul in the example that he shows to us that God has shown us love and mercy and patience and kindness and goodness to each and every one of us. Paul says, Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. 
Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. That is a trustworthy, amazing, powerful message, the simple gospel message, a life-changing message, a life-saving message. Christ came into the world to save sinners, the murderers, the abusers, the arrogant, the adulterers, the slanderous, the blasphemous. Christ came into the world to save sinners like you and me. The grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Those are Paul's words and those are words that you can say as well. The grace of God has been poured out on us abundantly because the wrath of God, the wrath of God over sin was poured out on Christ at his cross. The punishment of sin was paid for by him on the cross and now your sin is taken away forever blotted out, thrown into the depths of the sea, trampled underfoot, remembered no longer. Those are the ways that God describes his relationship to your sin. Remembered no more. You are no longer in God's eyes viewed as the worst of sinner, but the holiest of saints. That is who you are because of what Christ has done for you. God's grace, his love, his patience, his mercy has all been poured out on you abundantly. And the truth of that message is powerful. The truth of that message allows us to see our former way of life in sin in a completely different view. It allows us to put off that life of sin and look to Christ. It allows us to see ourselves not as the worst of sinners, but as I said, the holiest of saints. And so when those sins of the past come into our minds, and they certainly will, because we are not able to forget our sins like God forgets our sins, remember, remind yourself that they have been paid for at the cross and leave them there. The Apostle Paul was not able to forget the sins of his past. How could he? But he didn't let the horrible mistakes that he made in the past distract him and pull him away from the love that God had for him in the present. The confidence that Paul had in the love and the forgiveness of God allowed him to say, my former way of life and the, 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 the conversion that God has worked in my heart is an example for all of those who would come to believe. It's an example. Paul, Matthew, Moses, they're all great examples of God's patience and his love and his mercy, all great examples of God's love towards a lost creature. But don't forget another great example, the story of your own redemption. Because you are in the same boat as Paul, you were the worst of sinners, but brought to faith in Jesus. Your sins have been removed forever. And so see yourself as an example. Live your life as an example. Put off the way of sin. Put off anger and hatred and lust and desire and gossip and slander. Put that off. And live your life as an example of others, putting on the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control, all of them. 
because God considers you faithful for service in his kingdom. Just like Paul, just like Moses, just like Matthew. He considers you faithful because of what Christ has done for you. And that service might look different for all of us, but the goal is the same, to bring others to know the grace and the patience and the love and the mercy that God has for you. We know your time is precious. Thank you so much for investing some of your time with us today. If you're enjoying this podcast, would you be so kind as to click to follow our show and give us a five-star rating? That's a quick and easy way to help us get the message of truth out to more people. Thank you so much. God bless your day in Christ.